We have a bit of a, of a pivot now from uh, celebrating what God's been up to to thinking a bit about what we think the Lord is saying about what may be coming. And our gospel reading this morning really lays out Jesus' vision for what it would be like when human beings were experiencing the inbreaking of God's kingdom. Jesus said that's what he was all about. His first messages in public were repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. All of his parables essentially were about the kingdom. The, his teachings are essentially about what is it like for human beings when God's kingdom is actually being experienced by them. And I have a need to keep things really simple and um, don't really at this point in my life feel a big need to uh, try to create some sort of, you know, big sexy vision. I think I would just like to say that I want to adopt Jesus's vision. (laughs) And his vision for what happens to human beings when the kingdom of God comes is what really is right at the heart of what we're self-conscious of here at Holy Trinity. It's what we think we're doing is we're trying to connect ourselves and others to Jesus. Now the context here, we didn't have time to read the whole context of what Dennis read, but the context here is Jesus has just picked uh, his 12 first disciples. And in a sense, you might think they're the winners. In other words, you know, they are the ones who are chosen by Jesus. But then Jesus turns and addresses those who could have thought that they were left out, the losers, the ones who are left out of God's list of favorites. And he says to them essentially, God's kingdom is thrown open and available to you too, to the poor, the hungry, those who weep, those who are hated or excluded or reviled for following Jesus. And this of course is very consistent of Jesus. One of his first public acts was remember he stood up in the synagogue one day He was handed the role of Isaiah, probably the reading appointed for the day. And he read it and said, here's what's going on in and through me. The spirit is on me to minister to the poor, the captives, the blind and the oppressed, and to announce the Lord's favor to all. Later on in his ministry, when John the Baptist is imprisoned and John's wavering, maybe not so much in his faith in Jesus, but is certainly wavering in his understanding of what's really going on here. And so remember, he sends his friends to ask Jesus, are you really the one or have I misunderstood this? And Jesus says, go back and tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are made cleansed, the deaf hear, and the poor hear good news. And so if Holy Trinity has a message, you know, a, th- a, a vibe, a thing, it, it is that, that in our day, if, if we could just do like a, a Google map up here or something, you know, with a little dot uh, at the corner of uh, Baker and Mesa Verde and just kind of screen out to the neighborhoods as far as where all of you live, our intention is to say to that community, all the income free. It doesn't matter who you've been. It doesn't matter what you've been doing. It doesn't matter what your confusion is. It doesn't matter if you think you're one of the left out. What we really envision is becoming the kind of community in which the presence of God and his kingdom is so strong that when we gather together, people would experience as real what Jesus said was true. 
that yes, I'm, I feel broken. Yes, I don't feel like I have life together. Whatever's going on in there, I dream of a day when broken people, whether they're the kind of broken people who look good or the kind of people who it's obvious they're broken because they look bad, they're being led to and invited to Holy Trinity. The evangelist in me wants to help people today unclench their fists and drop their guards and make their prejudices tentative just for a moment. And if we can have a kind of atmosphere where people who their fists are clenched towards the church, towards God, if we can have the kind of environment that we were just hearing about where people would feel safe to unclench their fists, then we can maybe do two things. First, tell the truth the best we can from the scriptures about God and life. I mean, that's one of the best things I think we can do today. And then secondly, telling seekers that they don't have to believe this all at once. They don't have to get it all at once. That they just need to be open to the idea that truth may be really radical. I mean, I sometimes want to playfully say and sometimes do playfully say to young people today, you know, hating religion is so mainstream. It's so HBO and Comedy Central. Like if you want to be radical, why don't you come join us in trying to follow the Trinitarian God? You want to do something radical with your life? Hating religion is so dopey. Everybody does that. Like, you want to really do something that feels like it makes a difference in your life? Well, come try to follow Jesus with us, and you'll find something way more radical than merely being culturally current. And I feel like I want to say to people, if you come here and you discover that there's like something wrong between you and God, if there's something that needs to change, don't don't worry about it. This is a, and here's my dream, a safe, and you've heard some of that here, a safe and competent place. That this is a safe place for you to go through whatever it is you're going through, and it's competent, meaning you will find people around you who actually do love you and actually do have experience and some way of actually being able to journey with you. In some sense, I was thinking about this weekend, all we're really trying to do here has been found, uh, incidentally, in our summer and in our, our fall study in John. I don't know about you, but I'm simply looking for living water, John 4. Remember John 6, Jesus said, why do you strive for things that perish when living or, or true bread is right in front of you? And then as Todd talked about a couple weeks ago, just abiding in friendship with Jesus. We're just looking for living water. We're just looking for true bread and some sort of true, honest relationship with Jesus that others experience our friendship with Jesus is for their good. Now, in terms of how, how we might go about this, um, my fundamental guiding principle or sort of guiding idea I would talk about it this morning from a passage in Isaiah, in Isaiah 30, where Israel's being tempted to kind of broker relationships to gather political and military power so that they can get what they think they want, so that they can get what they think God is up to in their midst. And remember, the Lord speaks through Isaiah to them, 
and says, no, God has his own plan and his own design. And while I'm sometimes tempted to do what I know is right. I mean, I, I almost, most of you who know me, you've never heard me talk like I'm about to talk right now because we have very little time together and I'd rather talk about Jesus than myself any day. Um, but you know, I've been doing this for 30 some years and I'm supposed to be an expert in church planting. And there are moments when I think, you know, between teaching and writing five books in the last four years and being a bishop and being all that I do, all that I do that poor Holy Trinity just doesn't get enough of my attention. And I have my moments where I just wanna pick this up and do what I know is right to do and build it. And, you know, I can just hear where Israel was, you know, just being tempted by, well, God's plan doesn't seem to be unfolding before me the way I thought it was. And so they were tempted to go kind of make it happen on their own. Well, I have to be honest and say, I have moments of the same temptation where I think, you know, I just need to make this happen. But it's not really the way things happen. The way things really happen, Isaiah 30, 15 is this. In repentance and rest is your salvation and quietness and trust is your strength. But this can sometimes seem to be a hard sell, not just for me, but to others. Uh, it sometimes feels to me like I'm a mom trying to get the kids to eat their vegetables. You know, that, that in a sense, I mean, you heard people this morning for whom, of course, Holy Trinity has been good and attractive to them. But for lots of other people, the loud, the big, the bright, the you know, the hugely marketing driven kind of thing is what seems more natural. And so sometimes it feels to me like we are trying to get kids to eat their vegetables, right? And all of us kids knew that vegetables really were simply parental means of torture, right? I mean, come on, you know, who didn't want chicken nuggets and fries or mac and cheese or SpaghettiOs, right? And none of us liked hearing shut up and eat your vegetables. <laughs> right? I mean, come on, Brussels sprouts look like little kind of insect larvae or something, you know, like from some sci-fi movie. Or I remember the first time I saw on my plate a stack of runny, limp spinach, like, and lima beans? What? What is that? You know, like, I just remember thinking, what human being would eat lima beans? <laughs> You know, waxy, yucky stuff. But here's the deal about kids. And, and I need you to uh, get this. Here's the deal about kids. They're just not that smart. And they really don't know what's best for them. And we are not that smart. And when it comes to God and his kingdom and what he's up to on the earth, we need the rhythm that's implied in Eucharist. In a growing experience of the participation of the life and character formation and mission of Christ. We need the creed as a source of truth amidst our angst about whether there really is truth that we can rely on the readings of the scripture to shape a worldview in us and give us a story to embody, the prayer of confession as a source of moral vision, 
And the absolution week in and week out is an agent of healing and forgiveness and deliverance from our sins. The peace as a source of relational healing, prayers of the people teaching us to intercede for people that we may not think to, and sung worship. Um, The heart has a way of knowing things and expressing things that happen best in singing. So as I think of the next year, I just me personally, I think as I always do, that I care that I grow as a person in Christ. That is always my first priority, sorry. (laughs) But my first priority is always my own discipleship to Jesus. No matter what else I'm doing, that's the first thing that's on my radar. And I care that I grow in the exercise of my ministry on your behalf. I care that you grow as people and that the church grows, but only in the sense that people who are, feel like they're the least, the lost, the left out, have a watering hole, and that we can come to evermore embody Jesus's vision for the kingdom of God for others. And so in the coming years, we turn ourselves to these things that are really godly things. Again, we turn ourselves not with anxious striving, but trying to live into the reality of Isaiah 30, 15, that in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. And so we turn to this next year in that kind of peaceful confidence, laying aside anxious, self-securing effort and learning to trust the scope and the scale and the pace of God's plan for us.